Christmas at the National Arts Centre. In the words of the great uh, Carol, it is the most wonderful time of the year unless you are trying to park. Um, I'm glad that you are all able to fight your way through the caroling crowds and come up and join us. Uh, when we, um, I should say first of all that, I'm all, uh, that we are always grateful for the support of our hosts, the National Arts Centre, who give us the best view in Canada. Um, our broadcast partner, CPAC, who help us spread the word uh, to insomniacs and uh, news geeks all across the country. We are always very happy. And our uh, sponsors of the Canadian Bankers Association, who uh, are always happy no matter who I invite and are always here to uh, greet the, uh, our guests and are um, indispensable to ensuring that this project keeps going. When we started doing this, I thought, you know what would be really fun is if we could have an event that would be serene and uh, low key, and that where we could get away from the events of the day <laughs> and just chat. And unfortunately, events have a way of not allowing that. Uh, tonight, we're a little delayed because of votes on, on the Hill. And in the current political context, votes on the Hill matter a lot. And uh, also, Andrew Scheer, uh, took away my prep time for this interview, so it's going to be very freewheeling. Uh, fortunately, uh, our guest, uh, while not well known in Ottawa yet, is uh, a veteran politician, a veteran public speaker, and somebody I think you're going to find very interesting to get to know. Uh, please welcome the leader of the Bloc Québécois, Yves-François Blanchet. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving a longer interview in English than you have done, I think, uh, to date. Uh, Please don't tell anybody. Yes. Well, it's, um, je souligne que j'aurais pu faire l'entrevue en français, but it would have confused some of our readers and viewers. So I will do all that, but you will have to be nice with my not that good English. I will do my very best, and I might be looking for some words once in a while, and I might even say things I don't want to say without knowing that I'm saying something I don't want to say. Now, sir, you know why we invited you. <laughs> um, uh, for people who might be watching this later or listening to the podcast later, this was the day that Andrew Scheer announced he was uh, resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. When did you hear and were you surprised? I heard that exactly at the moment I was giving him my wishes on TV for Infoman, which oh, yeah? is a very well-known TV show in Quebec. And then I got out of the room and I've been told that he was resigning. I said, okay, let's do that again. <laughs> uh, so I knew this morning quite rapidly after it did happen, actually. Does it change things uh, in this minority parliament? I, I had said to uh, Jean-René Dufault a few minutes sooner that as far as I am concerned, all the leaders could remain where they were because it seemed to be pretty good for us. So they will have somebody else as a leader and this is, this is all it changes. It will change the the way we proceed the dynamics in the, in the chamber, which I don't know that much yet. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been in the Quebec Parliament for six years. 
And it is, Parliament is always a Parliament, but it's quite different. And uh, the Conservatives, don't tell them, but they seem to be a bit messy. You know, they speak loud, they scream more often than I would tolerate my own people to do. Uh, but that seems to be the way to do things. But individually, they're nice people, and Mr. Scheer is. Uh, I was there when he was uh, choose, chosen as the leader of the Conservatives in uh, Toronto a few years ago. I was present at the very moment because I was commenting this event on TV, uh, on ARD, which is CBC News, but in French. And uh, I met him a few times, and he is a nice person. And the fact that he had ideas different from ours, to say the least, uh, does not make him any less a good person. And I believe that in democracy, the light should come from those debates between very different ideas for the people to make choices, for people to understand better, even if the opportunities for uh, real deep information to go to the people without the show, without the clips, is uh, not something that we have that often. Um, and that's one of the reasons we have this uh, series of interviews, is, is, is a chance to not worry too much about the clip. Um, we're going to get a little bit into your biography before, uh, before you came to Ottawa, before you became the leader of the bloc, because it's not very well known. Um, one part of that biography is interesting to me um, in the current context, because you were briefly chief government whip uh, when Pauline Marois was the new premier of Quebec in a minority national assembly. The uh, Parti Québécois did not have the majority of the seats in the national assembly. Um, you soon got a, another job, but uh, you would have had to sit down and say to yourself, okay, what is important when I'm trying to make sure that we have the votes in a minority parliament? What, does it, what, what is the Justin Trudeau's chief government whip worried about? What were you worried about in that context? I think it's, it, there are a few differences. Our majority was very, not, not, the number we had were less. Okay. Uh, strong than those that Mr. Trudeau has. And we, as today, we, uh, I lived only the few, the first two months of this uh, minority government as whip, and then I became Minister of Environment. And it is well known that I was not very happy with that role. First of all, because I was probably the less disciplined member of parliament before, so I found myself in a position to tell everybody, please do what I say, not what I did. Um, but I believe that every member of parliament knows well that there's no margin for, to maneuver and everybody has, everybody has to be disposed when time comes. And they do understand that. Uh, so it, sometimes it does make the job easier, I believe than when it's a majority government and when everybody feels that his or her presence is not that important because somebody else will be there. So maybe it's better, but I do not have enough experience to comment any further on that. Yeah, you, you talk about how you weren't the most uh, disciplined uh, member of the National Assembly. When you got, um, uh, when you became environment minister, uh, your own premier said that you were uh, hot-headed. 
And uh, um, I remember I, I was... I don't understand why. <laughs> and I was on a radio show in French uh, on Radio Canada near the end of the campaign uh, with Michel C.O.J. and Michel David. And I said, this guy, Blanchette, is the most zen leader of the Bloc Québécois that I have ever covered. And they both uh, burst out laughing because they've known you more than I have. Um, when did you calm down? <laughs> um, that's a good, the function is quite different. And I believe that a few years before, my leader was challenged from inside the party. And I felt that nobody was handling it. So I took on myself to protect her. So I did, you know, push a little bit around in order to protect her. And I came out with the, they gave me the, the name of the goon, the, the goon de Pauline Marois. And for the media, that was a story to tell. And for years afterward, they kept that as a character. They protected that character. So if I took seven pictures, six of which, on which I was smiling, and the last one I was not, they would publish the one I was not smiling. Always, until quite recently. But I am not hot-headed, I wouldn't say that I'm not hot-headed, but I am a pretty quiet person. And, and of course, people are not there when this happens, but I, I'm a guy that does not speak much. And I want to be alone in my things most of the time, which is not my present situation in Ottawa, but uh, I'm not that hot-headed. I like the word. Okay. Instead, in French, we say bouillant. 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 Yes. Or, um, or in both languages, goon. Yes. <laughs> we might. But I, I, I lived with that. I don't feel I'm any kind of a goon. And I do believe, don't tell my adversaries, that when I do snap, it's because I don't want a conflict to last long. So I prefer to go to the end of it rapidly and then become again or go back in a calmer situation. That's what I had to try to understand for myself. Is that a therapy? <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, it's one way to work. And I expect there will be times in this parliament where you'll, you'll, you'll have situations that you'll want to end quickly. And uh... Yeah, it might happen, but I will protect this idea I promoted during the whole campaign that we have to do things differently. We have to be respectful. We have to understand that everybody in that parliament has a right to speak, has a right to be listened to. Uh, and the people of Canada and Quebec did not pick a minority government in order to go back in election in one and a half year. They chose, without knowing what the result would be, would be, but they chose to ask us to collaborate and work together. I understand that my mandate, though I am an independentist, I understand my mandate in the parliament is not to break the thing to prove that it's broken. It's to work for the best interests of Quebecers. And if it does serve the best interests of Canadians also, so be it. You also face particular challenges as the leader of the bloc. You were the 
by my count, the fourth leader of the bloc uh, since the 2015 election. It was a party that had suffered uh, defections, MPs leaving to form smaller groups, um, uh, rapid turnover in leaders, a real dispute between uh, the sort of uh, pure in independentist wing and, uh, and, and a, a more moderate nationalist wing. Um, first of all, why would you want to run that party? And secondly, what uh, uh, internal challenges have you faced? I believe that it's pretty hard to be an independentist without being a nationalist. I believe that a member of parliament in a party is not a soldier. He or she is a member of a team with a voice, with ideas, with his or her own way to see things that has to be shared with the rest of the team. And uh, um, I believe, time will tell, that my leadership is not a leadership based on authority because I don't like that. Time will tell. Uh, I wanted to go, I accepted or wanted, it's not clear, to go there because I felt, uh, let's say two things. If nothing was done, there might have remained one, two or zero MPs from the Bloc Québécois. And this would have been very bad one year after the Parti Québécois in Quebec had such a hard time. And the second thing is trying to promote this idea of sovereignty for Quebec, not as a conflict with Canada, but as a new way to do many things together while respecting the fact that we are two very different, though very close, but very different nations. I want to do that with a smile, positively, with friends, not as a conflict. And as I said in my answer to the speech from the throne, even if Canada worked perfectly as it was written in the book, I would still believe that Quebec should be a country because a nation should get all the tools that come with sovereignty. And it's good for us and it's good for anybody that claim to be a nation. And I say that with a strong feeling of friendship for the people of Canada, which I do respect. I've been in many cities in Canada and I did love each one of them. I'm not doing that against anybody. I'm doing that for everybody. I suspect that before this hour is out, we will get a lot of chance to discuss the sovereignty issue. Uh, but one more piece of biography from, um, from before your political career. You worked in the record in industry for yeah. many years. Um, tell me about that. Actually, I worked for the Parti Québécois when I was much, much, much younger in the 80s, and I worked with Jacques Parizeau. Uh, and in those circumstances, I did organize a few concerts. I don't play music. I have absolutely no talent for that, and you don't want to hear me singing. Um, there have been members of parliament who were as uh, completely lacking in talent who insisted on singing. So I want to thank you for... I think some played piano too. Um, 
Where was I going? Oh, uh, <laughs> how you got okay, into the okay. record industry. And then I organized a few concerts and, and, and back then artists were still not receiving that much money from Canadian government and they did express themselves more freely than they do today without the fear of not having the check. Uh, and I believe that they were good vehicles for ideas which they wanted to put forward. And I liked that. And it was based on the same qualifications as politics. It's communications and organization. And some, of, uh, some artists came to me and I just went there. And then I met this guy that had and still has most of the time a wonderful career. When I was uh, elected in Quebec the first time, the people in Quebec said, oh, the manager of Eric Lapointe is in town. We're going to have the hell of a party. It was quite a deception because I'm, I was absolutely dull. I went in my apartment very quietly every night and I uh, did not do the party because I knew I was, you know, watched about uh, that specific issue. So I, I went there and I was lucky enough to have interesting success uh, and I eventually became uh, the president of ADZISC, which is the Professional Association of Music Producers on, on CD back then or on stage and publishers and, um, and that was one way to come back to politics actually. And then I was asked by the present leader of the Parti Québécois if I had considered the possibility of uh, going into politics. And when he asked me that, I knew that he had, you know, given me a virus, which I couldn't fight long. And a few days later, I did uh, tell the artists I was working with that I was leaving to go into politics. Was that Boisclair? Hmm? Was that Andre Boisclair at the time? Was that no, no, it was Pauline Mawa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, did you have to change much when you left the record industry and went into politics, um, did you have to dress differently, wake up earlier? Uh, uh, I had taken the habit of waking up early a few years sooner because I had young children then. Okay. And I used to say that my main singer did the night shift and I did the day shift. So I had almost a normal life, but the fact that in that industry you may get phone calls in the middle of the night about any time, it, it seldom is for good reasons. Uh, but it, as I said, it does require some of the same qualification competences. So it was not that much of a difference. The main difference was that while before I was behind and placing somebody else on the front line, then I was on the front line. And it was nothing compared to what it has become now. Now it's, it's something very special to, to live. Now it's going very well, everybody, everywhere. And as I said, not one person so far has been uh, aggressive or not nice with me. Not one. Uh, it won't last, but for the time being, for the time being, it's, it's wonderful. It's flying in a cloud. And, and one has to get used to that kind of visibility without letting that you know, climb into your head and make you feel that you're better than you actually are. 
So that, that, that is a challenge. One thing you said about um, your early days uh, organizing concerts and so on, you said that you, uh, the musicians seemed to be freer then and, and more uh, relaxed about expressing themselves before they had checks and the danger of not losing checks uh, or of not, not, not keeping those. Um, I'm surprised. I actually listen to some uh, Quebec pop singers and they don't seem to be a reticent bunch today. Uh, do, do you think that they were, uh, that they are more constrained than they used to be? Nothing of what happened in Quebec since the Revolution Tranquille would have without artists being the soul of this revolution. They were behind this idea of a nation that was and had been for a long time French Canadians becoming Quebecers, taking control on their own institutions, creating a whole class of entrepreneurs. Uh, all of that would not have taken place without artists being a voice for that nation and that culture that acknowledged itself to be different from even the French proverbial cousins. Um, but it is true that around 1995, when we lost the second referendum by a few pieces of dust, um, it, it's about a time when the federal government started cutting in the transfers to provinces and did have a lot of money. And they started spending money in many uh, jurisdictions including arts and the producers and the artists enjoyed having that money. So when somebody was to take a political position, he would be reminded to take into consideration the fact that there was money coming from Ottawa. Some artists include most, some of those I worked with, Eric Lapointe was a strong independentist. Um, Many of those artists, or some of those artists, kept telling what they believe is right or not. And some did speak about something else. And in the more recent years, they started uh, being the voice of some new ideas or more contemporary ideas like environment, uh, which calls for less it's less sensitive. Uh, yeah, uh, it's less, you know, it, it doesn't call for strong emotions as the idea of being a country did. It's, it's, it's more rational. It's colder. Uh, but I do believe that if Quebecers, as they seem to have said in the recent months, feel again this pride, uh, there might be artists that will say, I want to be part of it, and I want to sing it. This pressure that you describe on artists because of the uh, government programs, do you think that journalists who receive money from government programs would feel the same pressure? Not really. I've, between my first period in politics and now, I was in the media. Some of those who do interview me on a daily basis were uh, colleagues back then and 
there might be exceptions, but I really feel that somebody that wants to be a reporter or a journalist is somebody with a strong desire to be integre, to be truthful. So I don't believe that they can be influenced. Um, I do believe that there's something much stronger than what is presently proposed that has to be done to protect the diversity and the independence of the media and mainly the journalists themselves. They have to be free. They have to, they must not have somebody on their shoulder looking at what they will write or publish or say. They have to feel that they will have what is required to feed their families too. And diversity is so important because there is no democracy without a diversity of ideas to debate and think of. Uh, but I do trust. I have sometimes moments of a less peaceful relationship with some media, but I do respect very much the role they do have. Yeah. Um, we'll see whether that lasts. I, <laughs> some of your predecessors could talk about me. Um, How many minutes left? <laughs> um, I remember a day I wrote a very critical column about the Bloc Québécois in the, in the National Post. And uh, I was sitting up in the press gallery and uh, the whole front row of the Bloc Québécois was ignoring the Liberal government and yelling at me. <laughs> but I, I do believe we, in that job, which I did for mm -hmm. a few years, we sometimes say things and afterwards we admit to ourselves if not to them, that we might have said it otherwise, in a different fashion. Uh, but the media feed on opinions now, mm -hmm. and I believe that information should come before opinion. There's no well-founded opinion without information, but it's less expensive to pay somebody to write his or her opinion on something and People have the responsibility of being careful about who or what they believe. You're right, and it is a danger uh, that opinion could be less expensive and easier to... Uh, I, try and, um, I try and fight that tendency by being as expensive as I can. Uh, <laughs> I hope for you, you are successful. <laughs> um, I, read your, um, I read your reply uh, to the speech from the throne, and um, perhaps unsurprisingly, um, given your background and, of course, your, your electorate, um, you devoted a large uh, part of it to cultural industries, funding and uh, supporting cultural industries. And um, there's an interesting context here because the new Canadian Heritage Minister, Stephen Guibault, mm -hmm. is somebody that you know from your common past as environmental activists. Um, Maybe if we're lucky, we can have him here for a chat later. But, but tell us about Mr. Guibault and, and my hunch that you will be uh, trying to make his job as hard as possible, that you'll be, you'll be keeping a close eye on him. There is not one person in that parliament of uh, which job I want to make as hard as possible. Uh, I will try without compromise to make gains for Quebec. 
but uh, with Stephen, which actually I do, I have known for a few years, um, and we have discussed many things many times, there's that 3% of the income of the GAFA that uh, GAFA is the um, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Facebook, and Apple. We want uh, 3%, one 3% of their income to be taken as royalties, not tax, because it's not a tax. It's a royalty. A royalty is something that you pay when you exploit commercially a content which does not belong to you. Then you, there's a license contract that has to be made, and since they will not go forward with a contract, any such contract, the state has to take that responsibility. Until a few months ago, only the Bloc Québécois wanted that to happen. And then the NDP wanted the same thing. And then even the Liberals that said that it was a tax on, on middle class, which it, 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 it's not, uh, finally said, okay, we agree. And even the Conservatives said that they might consider that. It's interesting because, as I said, doing that, we do work for Quebec interests. But actually, we achieved something for the artists and media of the whole country. And I'm glad to have done that. And this is what we will have to discuss with uh, Mr. Guilbeault. I know that he wants to come rapidly with uh, the, the PPS, GST? GST. GST on those same large uh, multinational companies. And we will support that because we do not fear to support things that don't come from us if we believe they are good. And that's something different from what was done before. But the other issue, which is very important for the media, as well as it is for French arts and culture and, that, and, and uh, divertissement. Uh, entertainment. Entertainment. Um, this will have to be discussed rapidly. I intend to collaborate with the Liberals if they work toward something good. But I, I cannot tolerate a government saying something which is not entirely true, like we protected the job of the people in the aluminum industry, while the only job they actually did promote and protect are those in the aluminum industry in China, in India, and Russia. That is something I cannot support. So we will have to work differently about culture and arts. And I also want the whole money being received from this, those royalties to be reserved for entertainment, arts, and media. And I also want, like it's been done for years in the music industry, for 40% of that money to be reserved for the French media and entertainment and, uh, and arts, because our number is less, so we need some more money per capita to do the same thing. And I do believe, as a friend of those people, that the French Canadians outside Quebec and the Acadians need a much stronger support for their own industries and arts and culture and media. Um, there was a line in your speech that um, was very striking. Um, 
you pointed out that the speech from the throne delivered by the government, or delivered on behalf of the government, referred, made several references to regions. Mm -hmm. uh, and you said, careful now, Quebec is not a region. Mm -hmm. That today's Canada is provinces, territories, and Quebec. Why did you describe the country that way? Actually, I do not like that much the idea of Quebec being simply a province, like any other province. We have been recognized as a nation with conditions which should not exist, because only a nation has the right, only a nation is entitled to define itself. Nobody else can put conditions on that. Uh, so I say, and without any lack of respect, provinces, territories, and Quebec. And what I wanted to say is that the federal government uses and used in the speech the word regions in order to suggest that Canada is an assemblage of regions without jurisdiction by themselves. When we say provinces and territories in Quebec, we speak about territories with parliaments, jurisdictions, members of parliaments, voting laws. And we cannot accept this idea of regions in order to hide the fact that this government is interfering in the jurisdictions of provinces. As all of those provinces I've said a few days ago, they want some things. And in four cases, they all want the same thing. They spoke with one voice. But the government, a few days later, did have this, uh, this speech from the throne uh, spoken by uh, Judy Payette and did not at all acknowledge the fact that all the provinces in Quebec that create, that make that this country supposedly exists had mm -hmm. asked for something, not a sound. I think the government needed to um, use euphemisms here and there in the speech for various reasons. One of them was that the leader of the Bloc Québécois had told them not to talk about oil. Actually, they did talk about oil and ironically, they did that in the part about climate change. At the end of this part, they said that they wanted to go on promoting the exportation of natural resources they did, not, they did not dare to write the word oil, mm. getting as an answer from the conservatives that we had, you know, we were holding the pen, which we did not. But of course, the government knew that this might have been a deal breaker. And when I met with the prime minister, he had been through our program. And he came with some things that he knew we wanted. Since there was things we wanted, and there was not the thing we didn't want in that speech, uh, we were in a position to support. What surprised everybody, who did that twice, rapidly, we said, we will vote for. Because as I said before, I don't believe that the Canadians or Quebecers uh, elected a minority government in order to go back in elections in 18 months. 
But we uh, took the leverage from the Conservatives and the NDP saying rapidly that the government would go through because we would support the speech of the zone. And it did provide us with an opportunity. In the days and weeks following the election, for some reason I do not really understand, some of those people uh, writing opinions in the papers said that we did not have the balance of power and that the NDP had the balance of power, they are 25 or 32. I don't want the balance of power, but I took those 10 seconds to show that if we wanted it, we had it. What is a meeting with Justin Trudeau like? He's a nice guy, frankly. Uh, if we did not do the job we do, we might get along. <laughs> we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have uh, the same ideas on many things. He would still be the son of his father. Uh, but there's no malice in that man, none at all. None at all. Um, so it's, 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 it's nothing bad. A few minutes ago, he, he came to me in the, in the parliament uh, and uh, told me that I had asked him for something a few weeks ago and that uh, there was a briefing that could be offered to us. And the, the members around me said, what's that? He never did that before. We don't have a bad relationship. Of course, sometimes I will have uh, peaceful fights with him, but in a respectful ma uh, manner. I, I do want that sincerely, and I believe he acknowledges that, and he wants that too. And I'm always surprised when I see the way the conservatives behave, and the worst part is that it will be even worse in the coming weeks, because the leadership was already not that strong, and now there will be no leadership at all. That will be quite a party over there, but we will remain as respectful and quiet as we can. Um, actually, let's take a few minutes to talk about the Conservatives. I was very surprised. They, they, they won, the opposition won, um, committee hearings on Canada's relationship with China. And the Conservative uh, foreign affairs critic put out a press release in which he said, um, this committee will be an excellent chance to discuss the failures of Justin Trudeau and the failed policy of the government and all the ways the government has failed. And I said to myself as I was reading it, I thought it was going to be a committee on Canada's relationship with China. Is it possible for an opposition party to overplay its hand and to spend too much time in the permanent campaign? This is the kind I of question. I think the proof that it is possible is something we see on a daily basis. They always do that. We did not support this committee because we want to have a fight with the Liberals. We did support this committee because we believe that the government is acknowledgeable of his actions. And what the, we live in a strange world where we have this unavoidable, huge nation with which we do have the obligation to have a relationship, but a nation that does not acknowledge democracy as we see it, that is being terrible on the Uyghur in Xinjiang, 
that has almost erased the Tibetan nation in China, that is violently fighting its own citizens in Hong Kong, and then that is always threatening Taiwan. Still, China is one, carries one of the most wonderful, richest cultures in the world. We naturally want to be friends with them. But sometimes it's hard to be friends with them. I do believe, however, that becoming a weak arm of the United States to please Donald Trump while uh, arresting, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, the right word, the chief uh, financial officer of Weiwei was such a bad idea. It was unjustified. We are a sovereign country mm -hmm. and should behave as such. There are international relations and laws, but that was not part of it. Uh, so that was a mistake. And, and, and done that regard, I want the government to come and say, this is what we did and this is why we did it. And the Canadians and Quebecers will have an opportunity, knowing more and better, to make their own opinion about this. But the point is not trying to, uh, I don't know what's the word, to attack the government. That's, that's not the purpose okay. on our side. Let's talk about sovereignty. I was waiting and waiting for your office to tell me yes or no, Blanchette's going to show up for this thing. And I finally realized that the reason they were not giving me an answer was because you were not in Canada. You were in Belgium, meeting the leader of the Catalan yes. separatists. Yes. Puigdemont, is, is, yeah. is that? Yeah, Puigdemont. Yeah. Um, who uh, was jailed briefly, uh, has coming... He, he, he flew the country. Okay. He's in exile, okay. now in, in Belgium. He held and won a referendum on Catalan sovereignty that was not sanctioned by the Spanish government. So the Spanish government considers him an outlaw, and that's why you met him in Brussels. Um, uh, and he's been trying to visit Canada, and he can't get a visa. Mm -hmm. Uh, the federal government is, is reluctant to explain why, but everyone suspects it's because he is seen by the Spanish government as a lawbreaker. What lessons are there in all of this for Canada and for Quebec? Sometimes we have to stand for what we believe in. There's, I tell my people, mm -hmm. the first motivation for what we do must be our conscience. What do we really and strongly believe is the right thing to do? The second consideration is our program. What did we promise, promise the people? And the third, our interests. Not the opposite. When it comes to Catalonia, our heart and our conscience is speaking. There is this strange idea that Mr. Trudeau seems to support that Spanish constitution does not allow separation. Of course it does not. The constitution is something being adopted by a majority while a nation wanting to leave is a minority. A constitution is something being written 
by those who conquer, not by those who are conquered. The last time Catalonia was independent was in the beginning of the years 1931. And the first friends of Franco killed the president. Spain was a dictatorship until 1976. There are still parades in the streets of Madrid of people claiming the virtues of Franco. Of course, a nation, either they are the Nescapis, 355 people in northern Quebec that consider themselves a nation. If they consider themselves a nation, they are. If the Catalans consider themselves a nation, they are. In the Middle Ages, the largest trade empire around the Mediterranean Sea was Catalan. And there was nothing like the beginning of the idea of Spain. It did not exist. Until many years later, most of this part of Europe was controlled by Africans, Northern African people. Spain is something that appeared in the 19th century, while Catalonia existed for a millennium. It does not make them any better or worse, but they are legitimate in their desire to be acknowledged not only as a nation, but as a country. There's another thing very interesting about that. And when I spoke to Mr. Puigdemont, which loves arts and language and diversity, a wonderful man, the economy of Catalonia has not been in any way affected by the crisis. So much for those who believe that independence is a terrible thing to happen. And even tourism, which is very important for them, hasn't suffered in any way from this crisis. They are a very peaceful nation. I was there for uh, National Day in 1918. One million people in the streets, not walking, because you can't have one million people walking. It's too many people. Kids playing, riding things on the ground. Not a policeman, policeman in sight, not one. A very peaceful nation that wants peacefully to be free. The first thing they would do the morning after, a deal with Spain. So when we look at people who want to be independent for what they are, and it's true for the Scots, and it's true for Quebecers, and it's true for Kurds, and it's true for many nations around the world. Some of them saying, I'm a nation, I don't want to be independent. I want this or that, but I don't want to be independent. And some of them saying, we want to be independent. Most of the time, they are very progressive people, nice people, strong cultures that want to thrive. And I see in the Catalans some things that I want to see in Quebecers. And yet the Spanish government has ignored um the results of a referendum has uh, um, leveled a variety of legal reprisals against the people who organized the referendum. And Spain is still a member of NATO. Spain is still a member of the European Union. Spain is still and it's at the United given Nations. the COP25 by United Nations a few days before the election over there. Um, 
Are you surprised by the international reaction? And do you think that Spain should be sanctioned? One nice thing about the Bloc Quebecois is that we do not want to be a government. When I was with the Parti Québécois, we had to create relationships with full nation states, like France and the United States. And we had to be a little more careful about being friends with smaller nations which are not independent, because those who are independent would say, hey, we don't want troubles, so don't create for us any trouble. But as the Bloc Québécois, we can be a voice for those people. When I do write something about Catalonia, there are hundreds of thousands of people who share it over there. Um, I'm not sure where I was going. It does happen. I'm getting old. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I have a hunch we'll... We, okay, we'll I, I, I know, I know. Okay, we can issues. support those nations because we have this opportunity, because yeah. we don't want to be a government. Uh, but the fact is that France has some minorities and United States did in the past, and in China and wherever you want, even Germany and Great Britain, they don't want to support a province or federated territory uh, that has some ideas of becoming independent because they don't want that to happen in their own turf. Uh, Great Britain has problems with uh, Scotland which they manage much better than Spain does. And Canada is a bit worried about this idea of Quebec becoming a country which doesn't seem to want to die. So they are very careful about that. I understand that. But we have to stand for our values. And Europe was created and founded on the very idea of democracy and freedom. So I'm very sad because I of course, I do love the French people. And when I see the president being so careful about Catalonia, and when I see that Mr. Puigdemont cannot go in France because he knows that if he goes in France, Spain has a right to arrest him in France. I find it sad because France is where many of those ideas were first created. Um. I'm starting to feel a little bit bad for our audience who did not think that they would be listening to a 20-minute discussion of Catalonia. So let's, have a, let's, let's bring it back home. I'm almost sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, covered, I, I started at the Montreal Gazette. I covered these issues for 15 years. Rules of secession were the most important issue for me. So this is I'm like, sure I will this is be like told homecoming. by yeah. my own people that I did speak too long about Catalonia, but so I believe it is a very good example, a little further from us, a very good example of why and how we do things and want to do things. I also think there are about 15 people in the Privy Council office who will now be up all night analyzing what you just said, just in case. That's, uh, that's <laughs> a wonderful thing in Ottawa. It's a capital of the G7. And when you say something here, it does resonate large. That's quite impressive. It might be fun. <laughs> I do want to bring this home. Do you think there will be a referendum on Quebec sovereignty during the time that you're the leader of the Bloc Québécois? Oh, I should not answer that, but I'm not the kind of guy that does not answer questions. <laughs> I do not know how long I will be the leader of the Bloc Québécois. Our uh, 
life expectancy in that job is not that good. Uh, it's doing very well. It's going very well now, though. Uh, I don't know how long I will be there. I do hope that we will not celebrate the inauguration of the new parliament in 10 years. But how are we going to get there? I must say I do not know. I have an idea of how we might achieve that. But the last thing I want is for us to start again those discussions about how we do it, when we do it, what the question is. I, I, I don't even want to tell the people what I think it should be. I believe that if the people of Quebec decide themselves what's in the box, they might choose the box. We are not that brilliant and intelligent, intelligent that we are entitled to tell the people we know better. You should do as we say. And I believe we've been doing something like that for 25 years with not that much uh, success. It has to come from people. So how are we going to get them to tell us what they want? I told a lady in the campaign who told me, like many people, I am not an independentist, but I will vote for you because we trust you. And I told her, imagine that when you wake up tomorrow morning, Quebec is a country. What would you want it to be? That is the main question. What would any Quebecer want it to be? And if we include in that way of thinking about things, those who do not favor the idea now, there might be more people favoring the idea. Tell me about your relations with Francois Legault. You were in government when he was in opposition in Quebec City. He was one of the ones who, when you became a cabinet minister, he told the reporters, oh, he's a goon. Um, and during the campaign that just finished, you often presented yourself essentially as the ambassador of that government to Ottawa. That is not my narrative. The media said that I represented the government in Ottawa. I said I represented the, the Assemblée Nationale du Québec in Ottawa. And it is not the same thing at all. My national parliament, in all respect, is in Quebec City. And when this parliament wants something, and there's been more than 100 unanimous votes in the Assemblée Nationale du Québec since 2011. It's a pretty clear voice, voice. My job is to have our respect what Quebec wants. Of course, François, uh, François Legault is the executive voice of this parliament. And honestly, I like the guy. When we meet, it's, it's, it's cool, it's, it's cordial, always. I am not certain we share the same advices on everything. But I have to respect that he is the Prime Minister of Quebec. And he has brought back in government the first fully and without complexes nationalist government for years. Even the Parti Québécois could not achieve that because it, because it was a minority government. 
And as a Nationalist Party too, we of course agree on many things, including this Bill 21 or the principles, because I don't have to comment the details of the bill, but the principles of a nation that wants to carry and protect its own values is a legitimate thing. So we do share many views. The only parts on which we, it might be a little bit harder is when it comes to environment. We do agree on many things, but on environment, uh, I, I, you know, my conscience screams loud. So I'm much less inclined to some compromises on environment, but nothing bad came so far. Uh, so we'll keep the channels open in order not for that to happen. Um, we have a few minutes left. Two minutes left. So I'll stop there. I, I, I did think that one hour was very long. It, it's going very fast. I uh, made a decision about a half hour ago that we could spend the entire second half of this thing debating Bill 21, or we could save that for another time and talk about everything else that that no I other. I want to debate Bill 21. What I can do, however, yeah. is explain you the values have... and the legitimacy of the bill. But debating is something I cannot do because it's not my bill. I'm not an MP in Quebec. What I say is a nation is entitled to its own values. And I want people in Canada to understand very well that this idea appeared in Quebec in the beginning of the 60s. When we're doing the Révolution Tranquille, and it is a much more progressive idea than any religion might be. I suspect that'll have to be a discussion for another day. I want to once again thank our sponsors of the Canadian Bankers Association, our broadcast partners at CPAC, and our hosts at the National Arts Centre. I want to thank everyone here for coming to listen to this conversation. There will be a reception next door and I hope you can join us and I want to thank you Yves-François Blanchet for coming and it's been such a pleasure sincerely we're glad you came